Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America, Can We Talk? Today, we're going to talk about fake news that works, Russia, Flynn, and the virus, the FBI's Flynn scandal exposed, a virus that kills liberty, tracing, tracking, and blood collecting, liberty after COVID-19, and finally, a fish tank tale. And I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. America Can We Talk is sponsored by GC Works, a Dallas-based company performing advanced technology research in the oil and gas industry. We talk into today's first five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. There was a Harvard Harris poll done this month, April 2020, asking the American people, how many of you believe that the Steele dossier was true and that Trump really colluded with the Russians? So, you know, this has been debunked in in a thousand ways. We've been over it many times, but 53%, 53, 53% of Americans polled said they agreed that the dossier was real, was true, and that Trump had colluded with the Russians. And I start the show out today with this poll to make the point that you may wonder why all of these fake news stories that we talk about in the show, and then they get exposed, and you can go to the very sources, you can prove data, you can get eyewitness, whatever it is you get. You get facts that are indisputable, that debunk these kind of fake stories. But the media keeps running headlines. The media keeps putting them out there. And you might wonder why. And the answer is because for some segment of America, they work. This is why. This is why the media continue to run the Trump-Russia collusion story as a headline, as a presumption, even though we had debunking of it in a million different ways. So I'll just mention a few ways, just this Trump-Russia thing. Obviously, the big story today, we'll get to it very soon, is the big news that came out of Washington, D.C., where some notes made by top FBI officials prove exactly what Sidney Powell, the attorney for Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, has been saying all along. He was set up, he was framed, the entire trump Russia collusion was a hoax. But in this first five, we want to get at the point of how powerful it appears that lies perpetuated and repeated and repeated by the media actually penetrate and convince a certain number of people who then cannot be convinced of the truth when it's staring them in the face. With respect in particular to this poll, this idea, this Harris poll pointing out that the uh, claiming that 53% of Americans say they still believe the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, they still believe the Steele dossier. This is inspired the fact there was an Inspector General report, uh, 478 pages, an Inspector General, a neutral person, trying to say, I did my job, I looked into it, and as an example, the Inspector General said, prior to and during the pendency of the FISA, you know, the warrants issued, the FBI was unable to corroborate any of the specific substantive allegations against Carter Page contained in the election reporting and relied on in the FISA applications. So that whole thing that they went into going to FISA court for Carter Page, the FBI could not corroborate one of them. 
Not one of them. Also, the inspector general pointing out much of the material in the Steele election reports, including allegations about Donald Trump, members of the Trump campaign, relied upon in the Carter Page FISA applications, could not be corroborated. They just made up stuff, as we now know. But you can go on. on. There's a great article posted at our website, AmericaCanWeTalk.org. It runs through the specific ways in which the entire dossier has been debunked. The entire notion of the Trump-Russia collusion has been, despite millions of dollars and thousands of deposition hours and interviews of witnesses, there is nothing to it except the left-wing dream that somehow they can make the American people believe it. So on my website, AmericaCanWeTalk.org, on the homepage under shows, drop down under list of links, you can read this piece that talks about the study. But I want to get one other thing, closing out the first five, that relate to how much America was harmed by the continuing lies of the American left about the Russia collusion, non-existent, non-existent Russia collusion. It's now become clear, and there's a brilliant piece out by Fred Flights, who is currently, he's the head of the Center for Security Policy. Uh, Prior to that, he held the position of CIA, um, he was a CIA officer and National Security Council Chief of Staff, wrote that through his interviews with Senate Intelligence Committee members, people preparing these reports, it has become clear that John Brennan, head of the CIA, the guy who was appears in many people's speculation to be the person who orchestrated the who concocted or orchestrated the entire Trump collusion hoax, the Russia collusion hoax, that he, John Brennan, head of the CIA, was actively working to discredit, to ignore, to just refuse to acknowledge and report the fact that what was really happening, the intelligence was showing, was that Russia wanted Hillary Clinton to win. Russia was never on Trump's side to start with, which I've said in the show many times. Why would a formerly communist, still socialist country like Russia ever want an America-loving guy to win the presidency? There's nothing about Trump that the Russians would have liked. Everything about Hillary that the Russians would love. She's a lefty just like they are. And I want to close out the first five by making this point. I'm talking today about how dangerous it is that left-wing media in this country gets a hold of their, people get tired of the word narrative, whatever word you want to use, gets a hold of storylines, decisions they've made about what they want the public to believe, and they repeat and they repeat and they repeat them. So even when they've been completely debunked, completely disproved, You cannot get the American people or some significant portion of the American people to wake up, to read the truth and realize, oh, I was faked out. I was duped. I didn't know that. The media is counting on that kind of ignorance of the American people, their ability to lead the American people along in order to get the American people to go along with the left-wing agenda the media supports. In this particular case, the the whole story of the Trump-Russia collusion, which it has as a portion of it the Flynn prosecution, Lieutenant General Michael Flynn prosecution, the left needed America to believe that the Trump presidency was illegitimate because it then justified their ongoing attacks on the Trump presidency, 
their determination to undermine him, belittle him, delegitimize him. This was the effort of the Democrat media mob in this country. As we turn our attention a little later in the show to where we are with respect to the coronavirus, the same phenomenon is happening. The media is so dedicated to and has inundated the airwaves with descriptions of the danger of this virus. They've scared America to death that we are willing to, they hope and they think, go along with the surrender of our civil liberties, the surrender of our freedom, the surrender of our privacy, all because they have scared us to death. Because you have American people who read these blaring, you know, large print headlines about the number of people who passed on from coronavirus, and the answer they want the American people to give back to the government is, okay, okay, tell us what we have to do to be safe. Anything you say, we'll do anything you say, we'll surrender our freedom, our liberties, we'll do exactly what you say, just make us safe. This was the mission of many in the Democrat media mob left, to have Americans so frightened about the virus that any attack on our civil liberties was not only accepted, it was greeted with praise and thanks and applause. We are at a dangerous time in this country because where the left is headed with the coronavirus and with the policies they're advocating to put in place to deal with the coronavirus, we are surrendering the very notion, the very unique, extraordinary notion of what America was as founded. All of this, all of this would be very different. I want to tell you why I think going back to the Michael Flynn story and the, uh, the idea that 53% of Americans still think that Trump colluded with Russia. Imagine the difference in our country if 80% of Americans, 90% of Americans, actually knew the facts. So they knew that the Trump-Russia collusion was a hoax cooked up by the left. They know that a hoax cooked up by the CAA, John Brennan, FBI, DOJ, big-time officials in our national, national law enforcement agencies. Imagine if 80 or 90% of Americans realized they made this stuff up. They lied to us. They covered for each other because they wanted to have America despise, delegitimize, refuse to support President Trump. Imagine the difference in our conversation and where we'd be headed in this country if more Americans understood how radically they were manipulated by the left in this entire Trump-Russia collusion story and how differently people in America today might be greeting the oncoming, the just unbelievable oncoming surrender of our civil liberties out of the left, how differently people react if they said, wait a minute, isn't, aren't these a lot of the same media sources that told me that there was Trump-Russia collusion and, and they lied to me? You'd have more ability, more willingness on the part of the American people to question what the left is pushing in response to the coronavirus. People would push back more if they had more comprehension and awareness that we were duped by these same characters on the left in this country in the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, and that today they'd be more skeptical about what the left is now pushing in response to the coronavirus. And that, my friends, is today's First Five. As I said at the start of the show, there's just so many, are just so many amazing stories uh, breaking. I wanted to uh, focus, of course, on the FBI story uh, that what occurred, what came out last night, last night, Wednesday night in Washington, was the unsealing of some of the information that should have been turned over uh, 
to Lieutenant General Michael Flynn's attorney, Sidney Powell, should have been turned over a long time ago, withheld, hidden by the highest level of officials at the FBI, at the Department of Justice, apparently in some major law firms in Washington, D.C., information withheld and only finally because of the incredible tenacity of Sidney Powell, her determination to insist that the truth get out, do we finally have a release just last night of the information that she and the Lieutenant General Michael Flynn should have had from the start, release of documents that that just, they are almost dispositive in proving that Lieutenant General Michael Flynn was set up by the FBI because of their ongoing disdain for President Trump. First, I want to ask before I get into this story about Michael Flynn and the amazing things that came out last night in Washington, I want to ask Matt, the wonderful producer, who is so great to be uh, producing my show from his home. I'm doing my show from my home. I want to ask Matt to play. There was a very short tweet, like a 12-second tweet, what that Lieutenant General Michael Flynn put out. I want to ask Matt to play that, and then we'll come right back, and I'll tell you what was so astonishing about what came out. If we have that tweet, Matt. And that, my friends, is the whole tweet right there. That is what Lieutenant General Michael Flynn put out as a tweet. President Trump retweeted. But I want to tell you what is so staggering, shocking, and simply just, it's almost, a, if this were, let me say, if this were something that would in some way help the Democrat effort in this country, help the left wing, the leftists, the socialists in this country, you'd have every media outlet in this country screaming from the rooftops all day long, today and for months to come. But in a moment, I'll tell you why and tell you the numbers. Nobody's talking about this on the left because it so undermines their entire effort. What was released last night in response to the ongoing efforts of the Sidney Powell and Lieutenant General Michael Flynn legal effort was ordered release of handwritten notes by an FBI official, the FBI official being William Priestap, who is now retired. He's the former, former assistant director for counterintelligence. He was the ultimate supervisor over Peter Strzok, who really led the Russia probe. In these handwritten notes, these all relate to the meeting that the FBI set up to interview Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, who for a very brief time was President Trump's national security advisor for I think it was a week or two weeks, the most short-lived, uh, shortest-lived national security advisor. But these FBI people were talking about their plan to go interview Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. So the handwriting, the notes that came out, again, from William Priestap, at the time, FBI, Assistant Director for Counterintelligence, was writing on writing notes about the interview of Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. Here's what he wrote. What is our goal? Truth slash admission or to get him to lie so we can prosecute him or get him fired? The notes further express concern the FBI might be playing games with the, the interview with Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. So these are notes. There, This is the FBI conspiring, orchestrating, trying to decide 
in what way are we going to torture this guy who is the president's national security advisor? Let me put a comma there before I get to the rest of the amazing things released. It is reported that in the famous ride in the limousine between the White House and the inauguration for President Trump in January 2017. So Obama, outgoing president in the limousine with Trump on the way to the inauguration, it is reported very credibly that President Obama said to President Trump, or outgoing Obama said to President Trump, um, you need to get rid of Flynn. You need to get rid of Flynn. And that, I mean, of all the people he and everything he could have talked about, Flynn made him, made Obama so nervous, so upset that that's who uh, Obama chose to talk about. And to be really clear, if you don't recall this about Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, he's a Democrat, shockingly. He's a Democrat. But he did not agree with President Obama about the threat of Islamic terror. He, Flynn, in fact, that's what I had him on my show, Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, before he was even in the Trump administration, and on my, when I used to have a show on Salem Radio, had him on talking about uh, the threat of Islamic terror. This drove President Obama nuts, that he had a Democrat in the military, high-ranking, who was warning him about Islam. But back to where we are. So here we have released last night in Washington in connection with the ongoing prosecution of Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. It's also important to understand who is implicated by all of what was uncovered. So you have, first of all, Priestap writing notes. And obviously, he it appears he was writing notes following a meeting with McCabe in which they're discussing, what are we going to do with this guy, Flynn? So first of all, they, he's saying, well, what's our goal here? I don't know. You know, are we trying to get the truth? Are we just trying to force an admission? Are we trying to get him fired so we can prosecute him? You know, what is it? So they're, they're, they're questioning what they ought to be doing with this. Secondly, there is a, um, a Sidney Powell has now characterized this. Sidney Powell was on numerous media outlets last night. She was on our show, my show last week, I think. So you could look back and see that interview because she knew a lot of this was coming. She's read this situation better than most attorneys in Washington. She knew it was coming. But she has characterized the way the FBI treated uh, Lieutenant General Michael Flynn as he was framed. And also that there is a, um, a, a, a her, uh, ever, her statements last night in media included more is going to be produced. She's seen all this stuff that's been uh, turned over and not yet released. And she's saying even more things, even more shocking are coming. Other things, amazingly, that were in this release. One was in the email chain. There's, there are emails between Lisa Page, the FBI lawyer, and Peter Strzok, you know, her sweetheart, her lover, who was also heading up this whole investigation, an email chain in which they're discussing at what point, whether and when, they have to give the uh, it's a 1001 warning, a 1001 warning. It's the warning that the FBI gives to people to say, hey, you know, uh, of course, you do understand anything we say uh, can be used in, in a prosecution. This is essentially the warning, you know, you shouldn't lie to the FBI because we could prosecute you for that. So she's got this coy email exchange back and forth with uh, with Peter Strzok, her sweetheart, and who's heading it up. And she actually says in there, 
you know, is there any rule about when we have to say this? I mean, can you give the warning to Lieutenant General Michael Flynn? Can you give him the warning um, when you are, um, you know, at, at the beginning? Do you have to give it in the beginning? Do you have to wait till the middle where he may say something that's problematic? And then if you, if you, you know, if he says something then that's problematic, uh, then maybe you can, um, you know, th then maybe slip it in then. But the point is, she's cagey. She's engaging in a, how can we dupe this guy um, into um, into saying what we want him to say? Because she uses the language. It seems to be, if it's the former, which is, can you, you know, can you say it in the beginning kind of casually as though you're not really responding to something he said? She's urging, can you throw it in casually in the beginning? Besides, hey, how are you? You know, great to see you. Thanks for meeting us. By the way, anything can you know, say maybe maybe uh, prosecutable. She's saying it seems to be if the former, which is referring to the permission to say it in the beginning, then it would be an easy way to just casually slip that in. You know, of course, you know, sir, federal law makes it a crime, dot, dot, dot. She's urging, she's urging these people who are going to be doing the interview to essentially encourage the the person they're interviewing, Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, to not be alarmed, to not be worried, you know, just trying to, hey, get him relaxed, you know, yeah, yeah. So her the whole, we're concocting this as a way to get this guy. And so we're, we're occasionally planning out, playing games with the idea of whether and when we should do anything to tell him, you know, or, or warn him that he might be actually the subject of our interview. It's a different thing when the FBI, if you're the subject, if they know they're interviewing because they're gonna, they're thinking about prosecuting you, they have to give you a warning. Of course, you realize, you know, anything you say uh, could be used against you. You could be prosecuted. It's illegal to lie to the FBI. Even if you're not sworn under penalty of perjury, it's illegal to lie to the FBI. She's urging them to play games. The last thing, speaking of playing games, at Pre-Step, who is, again, the one who wrote the note in the beginning saying, hey, what are we doing here, guys? What's our plan? He actually wrote in there, um, I agreed yesterday, he's referring to meetings he had, I agreed yesterday that we shouldn't show Flynn, and then whatever it is is redacted. There was some discussion whether to show him something. People assume it was the transcript of the conversation he, Flynn, was having with the Russian official, which was the purported reason that he was being interviewed. And they were saying, you know, should we show him this so he knows we have it before we question him? He said, I agreed yesterday we shouldn't show it if he didn't admit it. But I thought last night, I think we should rethink it. And then he says, if we're seen as playing games, the White House will be furious. Protect our institution by not playing games. So he's acknowledging that, that they're going to be seen as playing games because they're trying to set up Flynn, this interview, in a variety of ways that cause him, Flynn, to eventually be able to cause them to be able to prosecute him, which is, of course, the entire point that, that, that they were up to to start with. So this is this is a blockbuster breaking proving the point i mean I, I don't know how they're gonna what they're gonna do about this inside um the department of justice i'm sure that they're all lawyering up and think figure out who else they can blame but i'll tell you something interesting ronald mcdonald uh ronald mcdaniel uh tweeted this yesterday so this is like the most breathtaking vindication of flynn proof that the fbi was setting him up trying to find a basis to prosecute him obviously trying ultimately because they don't really care about Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. They care about destroying Trump. Ultimately, many of the things that the FBI did were to get to people like Flynn close to Trump 
who could possibly turn on Trump, which is what they ultimately really wanted to have. And actually, the entire prosecution or the you know allegation about his conversation, Flynn's conversation with the Russian guy, was a violation, alleged violation, of the Logan Act. You know, you can't certain conversations you can't have with foreign officials. No one's ever been prosecuted under it ever. But they were they were setting him up as a threatening that kind of prosecution. Another big thing that was in this before I get to Ronald McDaniel, another big that kind of revelation that came out of this all last night was that when Flynn agreed to plead guilty, he had been at this point, he's been destroyed. He's had to sell his home because he can't pay his bills. He is, you know, he can't pay his mortgage. They are threatening to prosecute his adult son also on completely false pretentious reasons on pretense on false and false charges but you're a guy you see you know you've lost everything you've lost your home you are your reputation's ruined and you're good you're facing jail and so you're being offered a you know if you plead guilty to this we probably won't have to send you to jail and we'll leave your son alone too the reference in the discussion, what also came out last night was a reference in the discussion that that was part of the deal, the arm twisting at the end that got Flynn to plead guilty was as, hey, by the way, we promise we won't go after your son. People, the corruption inside the FBI, the Department of Justice, this is not, this what we're talking about right now is one little piece of it. It's how they treated Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. It's just how they treated him. It's how they were they were conspiring inside the FBI, DOJ. What are we gonna do with this guy? How are we trying to get him? What, what do you think? You know, I don't want to make anybody, I don't want to make the White House mad. We can't be. I mean, these are just people out to get him. And but you have to see this particular revelation. This what came out in the context, in the backdrop of what had been happening inside the FBI and DOJ for the previous two years. What we now know, and they knew at the time, all these characters knew at the time, but we didn't. You had the FBI getting FISA court warrants against people based on a farce, based on a dossier that was mainly a campaign smear job paid for by the Hillary Clinton campaign and later by the DNC, and using that filled with nothing but garbage. Inspector General says there's nothing in here that was corroborated. Nothing, none of this is true. But the FBI used it to get FISA court warrants to get President Trump because they want to spy on his campaign, spy on his campaign before the election. So candidate Trump, spy on President Trump after elected. These people were out to get him. And what I really want to get at is this is not just about Obama versus Trump. It's not about the corrupt Obama administration, the corrupt Obama, FBI, and DOJ. It's not just about that. It's actually far deeper than that. It's about the notion if we have a law enforcement function in this country that we are supposed to have based on the Constitution, based on the idea that in America we actually have a rule of law and the rule of law must always apply. No federal agency is supposed to be doing their business conducting their function in a with a political agenda to help the incumbent administration and to attack the incumbent administration's opponents. They're not supposed to be political. You're not supposed to be because you're inside the FBI or the DOJ and Obama happens to be present on board with the Obama agenda to destroy your political opponent, but they were. 
This is corruption, as Bill Barr has correctly called this, the biggest attorney general Barr has correctly called this, the biggest scandal in American history. And the little piece we're seeing right now, the little piece we're seeing that the FBI finally produced more documents and more, even more things are coming, according to Sidney Powell next week. They were conspiring to destroy this man, trying to decide which way they were going to destroy him. And this is just, this is, again, this is January 2017. This is after all that they had done with the FISA court warrants and the spying on, on an innocent people who happened to be affiliated with the Trump campaign. And this is, at its core, is why I say it's not just Obama versus Trump. This is America or not America. You have Trump and America and the rule of law, and you have the radical left-wing Obama administration and the complete corruption of the FBI and DOJ and the, and the Department of State, other federal agencies, all corrupted by eight years of Obama implanting people in those agencies with his goal to fundamentally transform America away from a country rooted in the rule of law and individual liberty into a country rooted in a government-controlled society. What Obama was about was the most evil destruction of the idea of freedom in this country, and that's this is just one of the outcomes, one of the ways in which the Obama agenda was manifested through the DOJ, through the FBI, is we're going to get this guy Flynn. He doesn't see it coming. He thinks it's a friendly interview, and we're going to get him. This is why this story is so important, not just because it will ultimately lead, I hope, and I, I actually assume that all charges will be dropped. That, that is the minimum step that has to happen. All charges dropped. In fact, I think the uh, trial judge is going to give the DOJ the option to say, would you like to drop all the charges yourself or do I need to dismiss all charges? Yeah, your choice. He may give the DOJ that option. But either way, there should be a lawsuit by Lieutenant General Michael Flynn because you can actually bring a civil liability lawsuit when there has been the corruption of a government function as you have seen here. So you have that potential. There also need to be investigation of every single person involved in this chain of the documents and what they and, and getting every last bit of document out. There needs to be investigation, criminal prosecution, jail time for a growing list of people inside the DOJ and the FBI. We mentioned them all on the show before. That's what needs to happen because if we don't truly completely, deeply clean this out. You're not just cleaning out the FBI and DOJ of individual actors who behave badly. You're cleaning out the mindset. You're cleaning out the, the culture of corruption that invaded the DOJ and FBI under President Obama that made them think it was okay to go after innocent Americans because the larger agenda, of course, is being served because we're destroying the enemies of the Obama takeover of America, the left-wing takeover of America. We're, we're, these people were about destroying Trump because he was going to be bringing America back to being America because he wasn't going to play along with the Obama administration attempted destruction of America. It is that important that every single player involved and that the public, every single player involved is prosecuted and the public understands the depth of the corruption that happened inside the FBI under the Obama administration. One last point, and I'm going to get off this story, but this story, this is huge and it's huge. And when I tell you the following 
data about how it's getting reported, it'll make you realize how huge it is. So Ronna McDaniel, you know, the head of the RNC, GOP chairwoman, tweeted out yesterday, this is a massive story about the FBI malfeasance at the very beginning of the Trump administration. How many times did the mainstream media mention during their morning shows? This is her text today, her tweet today. CNN mentioned zero times, CBS zero, ABC zero, NBC zero, MSNBC zero. Biggest story, proof of the entire point that the Lieutenant General Michael Flynn team has been making and that Sidney Powell's been making, he was persecuted by political opponents. He was used, he was framed. This is astonishing evidence, more coming. And the left-wing media can't even think of a reason to even tell their listeners about the story. Much more to come on this, but so, so important to understand there's the depth of how important this story is. Well, I do have a couple, you know, with COVID or coronavirus, COVID-19 coronavirus, still a huge story in America, obviously, much, much more to talk about about that. I want to turn to that today uh, just a little bit and just talk about how this virus, in addition to attacking people, this virus that they're discovering has a new feature to it, which is it kills liberty. And I'm being facetious, obviously, but the coronavirus is, you know, it's bad. We're sorry. I'm sorry for everyone who suffered from it. I have, I know of people who've suffered, who succumbed to it. I, I want them to, I want this virus to be gone. But the left is using this virus to effectuate the left-wing, government-controlled, liberty-ending society they dream of having. And I'm going to just run through a few different things, uh, examples of this. In the state of Georgia, which is run by a Republican, but uh, in the state of Georgia, the state of Georgia has announced that they are starting a program in which health department officials are going to choose random doors, like random people's homes, knock on the door and ask for a blood sample. So everyone in the home, and they say children included, everyone in the home, they're going to ask for a blood sample. Now, they are saying it's voluntary. You know, if they come to your home, you ask for a blood sample, you can say no. Uh, That's fine, according to them. But I just want to tell you that as an example of the attack on liberty, why this is so bad. Number one, the purpose they say for this is that they want to collect data to figure out just how far, just how far the coronavirus has spread, just how many people are infected. You know, where are we in herd immunity? Where are we in in the exposure of this virus to the people? But knocking on your door and asking for a blood sample, they could get volunteers You know, they could get volunteers. I'm sure there are people, I know people in Texas who are total conservatives who are clamoring to get a test to find out if they're carrying the the, um, antibodies or not, to find they've been exposed or not. They could get volunteers, but they're not doing that. Not asking for volunteers. They're sending people out knocking door to door. And number two, what happens if you are the person in the home and you say, no, thank you? I mean, you're apparently, and they might try to cajole you into it, but you're allowed to say no. But then what is what does your file look like? What does your profile look like in state health files? You know, knocked on, you know, three Maple Street and uh, Susie Q said no. So are you in the kind of suspicious category? We're wondering about her. Is she sick? Is she a mother problem? Why wouldn't she give it to us? What do they do with your DNA? When they collect blood, they're connecting, they're collecting DNA. What do they do with your DNA? You can say, why would you worry about that? This is all to help you. This is always the way liberty is sold, is surrendered 
too often in history because people think it's because we're trying to help you. Now, look, I know there are plenty of people who would say yes, and I think they should. You know what? Say yes. Volunteer to give your blood. But when the government starts to say we're going to knock on your door, we're going to ask for a blood sample. We're going to keep track. Well, you know, we knocked on so-and-so's door. We don't know why. She said no. You know, and I have to keep track of that. May wonder. You know, we don't have her answer. So wonder what her problem is. And then do you fall in some category of people not, not too reliable, don't know really where they are. And so you have people deciding whether to turn over their DNA to the government, um, including children, uh, when they've done nothing wrong and they're not ill. They could, they instead could put up a notification uh, in, in the mail. They could mail everything, mail out to everyone in, in the area and say, you know, we'd love to collect some samples if you're willing, you know, come by the health department or we'll come to your home or, you know, whatever they want to do. They could do a lot of things, a lot of things to collect a large sample. But the idea of knocking on your door, asking for your blood is really obnoxious. And, and just think about this. And I'm going to get back to this point later. Just think about if the coronavirus never came along, wasn't in America, and the government asked, can we, came to your door and asked for a blood sample, or you read about in some other state, the government's coming to your door asking for a blood sample. I'm telling you, people are different. Americans are different. Some would say, oh, sure, that's really cool. Yeah, I love what you're doing. You know, other people say, you know what, I don't think so. You'd have, but you would have plenty of people who would have the same reaction I would, which is for the same reason, I wouldn't let the police come in and search my home without a search warrant, even though I got nothing to hide. I wouldn't let people, I would let the government come in and collect a blood sample because I, they don't have the right to, it's a search and seizure. It is a violation of my privacy. I think many people feel that way. And I think through this, just as one example in Georgia, very, very chilling idea that they are talking about in order to get the coronavirus uh, under you know, coronavirus data collected more widely. Second example, when I talk about the virus is liberty killing in the state of Texas, which I adore the state. Of, I love in the state of Texas. I live here. I love Texas. Uh, you know, we just we just love the whole feel of Texas, uh, the happy, upbeat, can-do, self-reliant, uh, freedom-loving spirit of Texas. We love it. Let me tell you what's happening even in Texas and happening all around the country. But this is the tech and it was happening in Texas. Matt, the wonderful producer, has a clip I sent him earlier. And this is the explanation of how they're going to use coronavirus tracers or coronavirus trackers. They're going to try to track the spread of coronavirus in Texas. I'm going to Matt play the clip and then I'll tell you why this is another way in which a coronavirus is attacking liberty. Here you go. Contact tracing is part of Governor Abbott's plan to reopen Texas. It's a critical element to stop the spread of the coronavirus. When a person tests positive, these tracers contact the the trackers rather contact the patient and create a timeline of where they've been and who they've been with. In order to contain the spread of an infectious disease, experts first identify and isolate positive cases. Then they determine who came into contact with the positive patients as these people have potentially been exposed. The range is anywhere from one contact to 44 contacts, but on an average, we find three contacts per case. And leading the investigation is a core of coronavirus trackers. Our responsibility is to get in touch with these contacts as early as possible and place them under quarantine so they are not out in the community. 
so I want to just talk about this. And again, this is in the gray state of Texas. That's what we're talking about. To start with, when they when that woman's talking, she and, and the program they're talking about, it is setting up the idea that if you come down with coronavirus, it is COVID-19, become ill, that you were to tell people, tell the government, everyone you've been in touch with for however many days, last two to three days. So they go around to those people and then check on them. So first, you, I don't know if you caught the language she used, but she said, we find the people who've been exposed and then we place them under quarantine. Okay, well, you know, quarantine, when you're really ill and contagious, that's one thing, but the idea that you're going to be tested because you came into contact with someone is, you know, you, you have to decide the question, well, what if someone says, I, I don't wanna be tested, I feel fine, I don't even remember seeing that guy and I'm not going to have a test because uh, the government's knocking at my door. No thanks. What do you do with people who turn it down? You will get some people saying no thanks. So do they have to get quarantined anyway because they were identified by the person who had the virus, even though you don't have any reason they do? And then you have the question of the, what? well, what if the person doesn't know? What if the person says, well, you know what? I actually went over to Lowe's. I went to Walmart. I went to, you know, the grocery store. And so I was in line. I was near a lot of people. Uh, numerous people came by me and they were within six feet of me. And so you really can't tell all the people that that person was actually in touch with. But this, I mean, before I get on to the next thing, I'm going to tell you, which will keep you awake at night. But this lady is talking about in the most smiling, positive way. And our governor is of getting tracers and trackers in place to figure out where the virus has gone and who might be, and then to force people into quarantine. Again, we have the flu come to America every year. We have flu season, kills more people than the virus. We have very contagious flus. We will have more viruses, sadly, in this life on earth. You viruses develop, they exist. Coronavirus has been alarming this year, but the coronavirus is what justifies this government tracking, tracing, following you, and then telling you, you know, we think you came near somebody who had this, so you have to stay home. We're already in Texas and around the country, you know, really squirming under the control of government shutdown of everything. And then this is going to be a continued way to do that, to say, you know what, we, they think we, the government think you came in touch with somebody, you have to stay home. So what do you do if people say no? What do you do if they say I don't want to be tested? What do you do if they say I feel fine and I don't like not going to be quarantined? I'm going to go to work. What are you going to do about that? And then let me tell you the way that the government is really going to be able to do this to you. And these are kind of alarming things. I'm just going to read you straight out facts. Both Apple and Google are working on and have developed a contract tracing system. Meaning when you update your phone, your, you know, whatever service you have your phone on, you update your phone, there's going to be new software put into your phone that helps the government trace and track where you are, where you've been, and with whom you've been in contact. 
And again, this is all to help you, to protect you, to protect the health of the people. They're going to start tracing and tracking you. I'm going to give you two. And I'll tell you, for those of you people listening who are extremely knowledgeable with respect to, uh, you know, the kind of software that phones can use, that computers can use, uh, if you are a programmer, if you are someone who understands the way they work, you can read the details of this very lengthy report that is on my website, Again, americacanwetalk.org on the homepage under shows. Drop down list of links. You can read this whole report. Here's a summary. Apple has already finished its program called Exposure Notification that will be included in your phone software update as of May 1st. That will be tomorrow. And Android phone users also will also have the same program updated on their phones. This means you may not have to be chipped by the government under your skin or have the vaccine you know, that is coming eventually to have kind of tracker in it, the tracker will be in your phone. Apple and Google developed their upcoming COVID-19 contact tracing tool in record time, according to a new report on CNBC. And let me explain further. This is how it's going to work. If we are currently, we're currently being tracked with our phones to see how social distancing is working. On May 1st, if you opt into new software from Apple or Android, we'll be agreeing to have them track us and our identities will be known so quarantines can be implemented and enforced. So you may get a happy call or text or, or I don't know how you'd be contacted, say, hey, you know what? You, we know from where your phone was that you were uh, yesterday at the uh, drugstore and, and at the drugstore with somebody else who has tested positive, so now you're under quarantine. I, you, this sounds so much like 1984, you think that couldn't happen. Or you think, and I'm, I'm going to get to the way other people respond in a moment. I think a lot of freedom-loving people would say, stop tracking and tracing me. You know, you're going to have people leaving their phones home. That means some of them say, just leave your phone at home. Don't even take it with you. Because the idea your phone, involuntarily, your phone is tracing and tracking you and giving the data to government so they can figure out who you've been near. These are not speculations of wild-eyed conspiracy theory extremists. These are reports putting, put out by Apple and Google and already reported. The whole idea, they're saying in part, is to decide social distancing measures in our model to prevent COVID. Uh, they're using social distancing measures in the model to project COVID-19 deaths. They're taking data from around the world and going to try to also add our data, all with the idea uh, in fact, some of this already started, starting April 17th, they began using anonymized, it means um, anonymous, made anonymous, uh, mobile phone data to better assess the impact of social distancing across locations. These data reveal social distancing was happening, blah, blah, blah. The point is, this is the government deciding. They're, they have the right to track and trace you. The phone companies happily will help them. And so, you know, you got to decide how much you care about that. Maybe you don't care about that. Maybe you think, hey, you know what? I want to be kept safe. I'm fine with that. But this is a uh, this is a a new phase in the loss of privacy in America. A new phase where the governments can track and trace you for your own good, of course, for the good of public health, public safety. And I'll tell you though, that kind of two reactions people have. A lot of people who are more conservative, more patriotic, more, I consider it more patriotic, more liberty loving, or say, I just don't want to be tracked and traced. I'm not okay with that. I don't want it. Other people who have more faith in the government, or frankly, people who are maybe more fearful about their health, people who are maybe in the more vulnerable categories and, and think they should be concerned about their health and coronavirus, people who have pre existing medical conditions, 
who therefore consider themselves more vulnerable. All those people may like this stuff, but a lot of freedom lovers won't. And, and at some point, folks, we got to decide, do we, do we want our freedom or are we just going to uh, bail it away or send it away? I'll tell you, I'm going to run out of time. I'm turn my two last topics very quickly today. Uh, but I want to ha- actually ask you to, to consider where all of this is headed. Is the virus, are we going to surrender because of fear of the virus, surrender our liberty? Two big pieces. Again, I'm almost out of time, so I want to urge you to go to our website and read these. One is from Ron Paul, the former presidential candidate, former Texas state, I mean, a representative in Congress from Texas, doctor. He wrote a piece, it's really good, basically making the argument that coronavirus tyranny, his term, coronavirus tyranny is coming, forced vaccinations and digital certificates. He's talking about the idea that when he was in Congress, he voted against some forced vaccination or urging a vaccination from Washington way back in 1976 due to the swine flu because we raced to develop a vaccination for swine flu and when that vaccination was ready you know farmed it out there you know really really pushed people to get it with the outcome that there was it wasn't a a good vaccine it hurt a lot of people it actually paralyzed some people his point was we're doing the same craziness of for a racing toward a vaccine. And he points out there are authoritarian pro, uh, authoritarian proposals already being placed to say, well, once we have the vaccine, or even if we don't have the vaccine, all this massive testing, you're going to have people told, I'm sorry, we don't have your authority, you don't have your authorization. So you you're uh, to prove that you are immune, that you've either had the virus and gotten over it or eventually have the vaccine. So you're prohibited from air travel. He says airline companies are already saying, people are saying, why don't you require a blood test before people can board an air and airplane again? Why don't you put, do the same thing for train travel, for public concerts, public places? This is an astounding, astounding idea that in America we're talking about just go ahead and give away your liberty, let government regulate you all in the name of public health. So so we have a just massive wake up call being put out there by Ron Paul. Similarly, a, a really good piece by Jonathan Turley, who is a liberal law professor. You know, he has been defending Trump when he was because the impeachment was such a ridiculous attack on Trump and, and all of the all sorts of norms of law were were disregarded. And so Turley was standing up for the rule of law. But he's out there saying we are in danger in our country of having immunodiscrimination. His term, immunodiscrimination and a pandemic passport. We're in danger and the path we're on to getting to where we're going to say, well, we have to have we have to have you know some kind of proof of you're immune or you're not. And then once we have that, of course, it will be used to discriminate against people. You don't have your immunization card. You can't eat in a restaurant, go in a grocery store, get on an airplane. You can't do all these things. People, we are, this is, the virus is giving leftists the vehicle to become, to move us away from a country rooted in liberty to a country rooted in government control. And people are a little bit too willing to surrender it because they're worried about the virus. Even though more data is showing, and I'm going to close this out. I can one last quick story, but close this out by saying, you may remember we talked about in the show, we had a video from uh, Dr. Daniel Erickson in Kern County, California, and his colleague, uh, Dr. Artil Masahi, Artin Masahi. The two of them were trying to say 
that the data we have now in end of April 2020 is very different from the data we had at the start of the coronavirus. Their point is that the entire reaction we had to the shutdown, the entire decision to force healthy people, to put healthy people under house arrest, instead of quarantining the sick, putting healthy people under house arrest has actually made our situation worse. It was a bad policy decision. It ends up depressing our immune systems. It prevents normal, healthy people from continuing to develop immunity, from coming into into contact with coronavirus and doing what our bodies always do, which is to develop immunity to it. So we have the antibodies to it. They put that out there, contrary to the information the government was putting out there, to the plan put in place by the government when this first came on, Fauci and Burks put the, doctors Fauci and Burks in Washington said the reaction was, we're all gonna freeze in place and, and house arrest for the healthy. And these guys are saying, you know, they weren't even faulting Fauci, but they're saying this wasn't the right plan. And it isn't just these two doctors in Kern County. You have Dr. Katz from Yale. You have Dr. Yadonis from Stanford. You had Dr. Scott Atlas from Stanford. You have doctors around the country saying, this is not the right way. You shouldn't be wearing masks. You shouldn't be. This is, we're, we're hurting ourselves. It's the wrong reaction. People, this is another example of the crushing of liberty in this country. YouTube, as you know, I think, took down that video from the Kern County doctors. YouTube took it down. They briefly put it back up. They've taken it down again. If you can't find it, you can email me or put a, put a note on, well, if you're watching on this on YouTube or wherever you're watching on Facebook, put me, send me a note and I can post the link. You can still see it. But the point is, it's another example of surrendering liberty. These are elitists telling you you're not allowed to know what the truth is. You're not allowed to know any opinions except the government approved opinions. And they are not what uh, these two doctors are saying. You must go along with what we say has to be said. Final last story, which should take exactly 30 seconds. You remember the story of the woman in um, the fish tank tales, the woman in Arizona and her husband who heard Trump mention hydroxychloroquine as a possible treatment, which, by the way, is more and more doctors saying, hey, this is working great. I'm getting great results. Anyway, this woman took fish cleaner pellets, pellets they drop into their fish tank to clean the fish tank, thought this ingredient in the fish tank cleaner was the same thing as hydroxychloroquine and dissolved those pellets in a drink, and she and her husband drank it, thinking they were doing hydroxychloroquine, and as it turns out, the husband died, she didn't. But the, up, the upgrade in that story, the update in that story, is now the woman is being, is being investigated in Arizona for homicide. Turns out they don't even believe her story. Turns out that she apparently, she was previously charged with a sexual, with a violent assault against her husband, domestic violence. She's a big Democrat donor. And she had, she used it to, to make a national scene saying, don't listen to Donald Trump. It appears that she actually cooked up the whole thing as a way to kill her husband. Uh, that is at least the uh, extreme suspicion that she did, she did it on purpose. And uh, she's now being investigated for a murder. I don't think she it appears she never believed that she really was following Trump. She was just using a way to attack Trump and get rid of the husband. She appeared to be tired of. And you know what, friends, we're, I appreciate uh, this show a little bit long today. Uh, I'm so grateful to have this show, to be able to talk to you every day, Monday through Thursday, 3 p.m. Central Time. But at the close of every show, which I always do, I want to talk to you about why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So to start with our very first story for today, we talked about uh, fake news that works. We had Russia 
Flynn and the virus, a new Harvard poll, 53% of Americans still believe the Steele dossier was true. If even close to accurate, this poll captures America's true crisis, a relentlessly lying ruling class of politicians and media shielded and supported by big tech. Brennan, John Brennan, suppressed intelligence on the Putin preference for Hillary and Obama cabal turned American hero Michael Flynn into a Russian agent. This lying ruling class sold USA on the cataclysmic, a drama to strain, instant death, pandemic, and abundant, growing, countervailing data and expert opinion is being suppressed. Barr Durham must act to definitively debunk the Russia collusion lies. Decisive action on the coup plowers may open up a path for truth on COVID-19. On FBI's Flynn scandal exposed, <clears throat> a goal of American law enforcement now in writing seen by Americans to get him to lie, to get him fired. These official attitudes toward three-star General Michael, Lieutenant General Michael Flynn are the product of eight years of perversion and fundamental transformation of the FBI and DOJ under Barack Obama. The FBI DOJ's purpose is to serve the interests of blindfolded justice under the rule of law. It should never serve the interests of an incumbent politician or a political cause. America's justice system has never been perfect, never entirely free of political influence. But under Obama, it descended into abject lawlessness as a power over truth regime. Barr Durham must act to clean house on a massive scale soon. Uh, and on this liberty killing virus, tracing, tracking, blood collecting, the state of Georgia moves toward knocking on doors and asking, will you give us a blood sample? What if you say no? Apple and Google have completed operating system updates to enable track and trace of every smartphone user, enabling law enforcement to say, hey, you cross paths with an infected person. Stay at home for 14 days. The most monumental casualty of COVID-19 is liberty. Americans must see where all this for your safety leads. They must just say no. And liberty after covid Conservative libertarian Rand Paul is sounding the warning. Liberal Jonathan Turley is sounding the same warning. Where is all this panicked pandemic response leading? Rushed vaccines, side effects, known and unknown, immunity passports for travel, immunity cards for accessing stores and services, state big tech approved censorship of bad ideas. Americans must resist being stampeded by fear. Freedom is at stake. This is the left's kill shot on America. Do not let them win. And finally, in the fish tank tale, the mainstream media told America, sold America a story about a woman and her husband who swallowed a fish tank cleaner because it included an ingredient that kind of sounded like hydroxychloroquine, and the husband later died. The woman hates Trump and blamed Trump for the confusion that led to her husband's death the story didn't add up, and now there's a homicide investigation of the woman who has a past domestic assault charge against her and against her same husband. Just another example of how the Trump derangement syndrome media is harming America. And this, my very fine friends and listeners, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Every Monday through Thursday, email me at americacanwetalk at gmail.com. Like, you know, everything on social media, you know what to do. Like, follow, subscribe. Please do that. And on my website, americacanwetalk.org, subscribe to my newsletter. You hit on the homepage, hit subscribe. I'll send you once a week email links to the stories we talked about and to postings and writings we do. And most of all, the reason I do this show is to speak up for America, the most extraordinary experiment in human liberty ever to bless this earth. Speak up for America. 
because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. Talk. Truth about America. Can you hear?